spend my dollar. It's not about what you want, it's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. And folks, we've got a treat and story for you tonight. We're interviewing uh, Brad Logan with a number of Ole Miss uh, affiliates. Believe in Ole Miss Podcast. He's a contributor on the Ole Miss 24-7 site. He's a contributor for CBS uh, News Station in Jackson, and uh, he's a principal in a uh, Logan Media Group, and really just a man about town uh, when it comes to Ole Miss. And so we have an opportunity to, to meet with him tonight and talk about the coaching staff, talk about maybe changes within the Ole Miss coaching, coaching staff, changes that have happened, and, and maybe you know he, he has a very reasoned thought process on Lane, what Lane's thinking relative to Auburn or other uh, opportunities he may present. And we talk about uh, the Ole Miss team sort of as a whole, and uh, he has some fantastic insight going into the game. So I'll stop talking, and uh, we'll pass it off to the interview. Interview, go. All right, welcome back, Tide fans, and have we got a treat for you. As you know, longtime listeners, we're enthusiasts around here, and uh, tonight we were able to recruit a legit media professional to help class up the joint. Brad Logan is joining us tonight. He's the host of the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. He's an expert contributor for Inside the uh, Rebels 24-7 website and expert contributor for Jackson CBS affiliate WJTV and the principal for Logan Media Network. Brad, thanks for joining us tonight. Happy to be on. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, let me ask, uh, you know, I always start, like to ask a question about the coaching staff. Uh, we all know Lane Kiffin. Uh, we know Alabama fans, Kiffin, uh, better than maybe some of uh, the other coaches we've seen before. Uh, certainly Kiffin runs a high-scoring offense, uh, winning a lot of games over in Oxford. And uh, this week he added uh, goat fuel to the lexicon. It's got to be a lot of fun following uh, the Ole Miss Rebels, Rebels with Lane at the, at the helm. Yeah, I mean, I think you've seen it, and a lot of your fans have seen it, just how – he interacts with people on social media. So, I mean, from that aspect, sure, he's a lot of fun. And we saw the TikTok video that his daughter put out about spending so much money and that sort of thing. But honestly, when you get him in a setting when it's just one-on-one or it's in a, a setting of a press conference or, or anything like that, it's it's really very Nick Saban-esque. I mean, he's very regimented. He knows exactly what he's saying before he says it. And I think more than anything, he uh, – He's been down the road and back again, and I feel like he's at a position in his career to where he's learned so much over his days at Tennessee, USC, and even back to the the Raiders. So we're seeing a very polished Lane Kiffin. Uh, I think he's a very calculated, not in a bad way, but a very calculated coach. He knows exactly how to talk through the media to his players and to his fans, and uh, quite frankly, I think he's done a a pretty good job uh, manufacturing that throughout the last couple of years. You know, I might be just old enough to be able to say this uh, without a smile on my face. Uh, Lane Kiffin started really young in the in the professional uh, in in the coaching ranks, and uh, we've really sort of seen him mature uh, as a coach over the years. And uh, I think I think you speak to that with uh, some of what he brings. Uh, he still has the the Twitter sort of reputation, and uh, people sort of cling to the older uh, older reputation. But uh, uh, you make a good point there. I've always heard Lane is really really active in recruiting, as and and way back when he was at USC, sort of modeled 
uh, his uh, his recruiting uh, maybe a little bit after uh, Saban. I've heard interviews where, you know, we talk to a recruit and they say, well, who were the first two coaches that contacted you? And it was Saban and Lane or Lane and Saban. And, you know, that's a decade or more ago. He certainly brought in a lot of talent to, to the Rebels uh, and especially through the, the transfer portal. Let's talk about um, maybe just the temperature in the room, uh, you know, for you and maybe across the fan base. What would you or how would you characterize maybe the relative fret level uh, with all the talk about Lane, maybe going to Auburn, maybe going somewhere else? Uh, this seems to be the second year where that's been a more active uh, conversation in the cycle. Uh, what sort of the mentality or what's your perspective on that? Well, I think um, if you're Lane Kiffin or you're Jimmy Sexton, his agent, you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. What job would you leave Ole Miss for? What, yeah. what job would be more enticing? And uh, I think from a standpoint of which you can essentially – go to your house in Florida at, at a minute's notice. You can fly to California. You can do pretty much whatever you want and run your program without any booster involvement whatsoever. Uh, I think that lends itself to think that Ole Miss may be in a pretty good position to, to hold Lane Kiffin until that position opens that is perfect for him. Now, I don't know what that position might be. I don't know what school that might be. Could it be Auburn? I, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll learn soon enough. I have no doubt that uh, Jimmy Sex and his agent and and, and Lane have been in, in talks with Auburn. I, I have no doubt that he's at the top of Auburn's list. Uh, financially, I have been told by sources very high up at Ole Miss that uh, money will not be an object to not keep Lane Kiffin. Uh, yeah. Essentially, that if Ole Miss loses Lane Kiffin, it won't be for money. It'll be for obviously reasons to where, let's be honest, Ole Miss has not won a national championship since 1952. Uh that's quite a while ago. Uh, there were programs throughout the country that have won a national championship much sooner than that. So uh, there's an opportunity down the road for Lane Kiffin at a program insert school here that has sure. been much more proactive in winning a national championship. So I think number one, he has to ask himself, what job is that? And number two, does it, does the perfect NFL job open? I feel like that's essentially where Lane would like to get to. No one's told me that. I just feel like that Lane Kiffin's a perfect fit for an NFL team. And I think that he's learned so much over the last couple of years, uh, not to mention at Florida Atlantic, at USC, at Alabama as offensive coordinator under Nick Saban, and, of course, at Ole Miss. I think the NFL is ab absolutely in, in the cards for Lane Kiffin. Very good. Very good. Well, similar question. Uh, I'm asking for a friend. I might know someone in the market for an offensive coordinator come the end of the year. What's sort of the Ole Miss take on Charlie Weiss stepping in for Jeff Levy? Well, I mean, you know, we've seen from 10,000 feet just where Oklahoma has been this year. We've seen them struggle a little bit, and I'm not saying that the Ole Miss fans haven't relished in that just a bit. Uh, it wasn't the greatest separation between Levy going to Oklahoma about kind of how he did that. And then of course, coming back and Matt Corral and some of the, the offensive players asking uh, Levy to coach that sugar bowl game against Baylor last year. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that there was a bit of a disconnect between the Ole Miss offensive staff and the players in that Oklahoma, I'm sorry, in that Baylor game uh, back in the sugar bowl. So uh it's been a good transition, I think. But let's let's be honest. Lane runs this offense. I think it was a familiar familiarity with, with with Charlie Weiss Jr. when he when he worked with Lane over at Florida Atlantic. So it's been a really good transition. I don't think you know anybody that can read has seen that Ole Miss is one of the top rushing attacks in the country, and a lot of that is because of freshman running back Quinshawn Jenkins, which is right down the road from wherever you might live in Alabama. He's from Pike City, Alabama, and he was a terrific running back at high school there's a picture circulating 
of Lane Kiffin kind of sitting in the bleachers yeah. in the rain and the cold watching Quinshawn Judkins. And that's kind of been the the mantra for this team going forward is that Lane Kiffin will go in bu- above and beyond to get the players that he thinks can help him win. Quinshawn Judkins is one of those players. If it weren't for him, I don't know that this team – well, let me rephrase. If it weren't for Quinshawn Judkins, this team would not be 8-1. and one. Uh, He is that good of a running back. Suffice to say that Charlie Weiss has been the perfect candidate for Lane Kiffin. They coached and meshed very well together, and this offense has has clicked pretty much all season. Uh, There's been some lulls in the second half, but for the most part, it's been a very good season so far offensively. No, I think you're exactly right. Let's take it to the field uh, as you did. I was going to talk about the running backs, and boy, you you hit uh, the talking points there on uh, Judkins, uh, you know, stolen from the state of Alabama, if you will. Certainly, he is a storyline. Perhaps going into the season, the running back storyline at Ole Miss may have been Zach Evans, who uh, sort of bounced around during recruiting, uh, spent a couple years uh, with uh, TCU, and then uh, landed in Ole Miss. What's sort of the story on Zach? He's had, uh, it seems like, maybe a couple of injuries, uh, but uh, I've seen him play a couple games, and he looks really good. Uh, Looks like uh, down the stretch here, there might be a really strong one-two punch. Yeah, he's been dealing with a number of injuries. Uh, Midway through the season, he was dealing with a hip pointer. And then just last uh, week or the week before last against Texas A&M, he was dealing with a knee injury that kind of broke – the the news kind of broke midway through practice week of the A&M game. So we were kind of wondering if he would play. He came out with a white knee sleeve, uh, had two runs in that game, and then had to go out. And we're thinking he probably is not coming back. He came back in the second half and really had a good – ended up having a really good game. He's So he's been dealing with some injuries. We expect Zach Evans to be fully healthy for the game on, on Saturday. One player, too, that no one's talked a lot about is TCU – I'm sorry, SMU transfer running back Ulysses Bentley IV. Uh, Bentley had a really good first couple of games, but uh, injured his right finger, uh, one of the one of the digits on his finger. So he was dealing with, with a right-hand injury, uh, played with a cast last week, so we expect to see him play as well. Another player that's been injured is tight end Michael Trigg Jr. Uh, he broke his collarbone earlier in the season. We expect to see him, if not this week, maybe at Arkansas, but definitely by the Egg Bowl, which would be the final game of the year. But, yeah, you talked about the running back room. And, and interestingly enough, I was leaving the the Sugar Bowl last year in New Orleans at Brett Norsworthy of the Ole Miss Radio Network. He and I were walking out, and I looked at him, and I said, Brett, how is this team going to win any games next year? with the offensive production leaving, specifically the running back room. Real quickly, you've got Jerry Ely that went to the NFL. You've got Snoop Connor that went to the NFL. You've got Robert, uh, not Robert Parrish, he played for the Celtics. But uh, you had uh, Henry Parrish Jr. that uh, went with Kevin Smith now to Miami. So there's your top three running backs gone. Oh, by the way, the fourth running back is Matt Corral, who's currently with the Carolina Panthers. So that's all four of your running backs are going off to the NFL or uh, graduated. So uh, what happens at this point? Well, Lane Kiffin goes to work. He goes to the portal and uh, goes after – obviously, we know that we've got Zach Evans. Uh, Then, of course, you've got uh, Judkins, the freshman that has come in that no one really expected him to play as early as he did. Now, it started to leak in fall camp, in preseason camp, that Judkins was having a heck of a camp. Now – I know you on the Alabama side, you've heard people say that so-and-so has had a really good fall camp and just kind of fizzles away. So that's kind of what we were thinking, but that's obviously not the case. Uh, He was running 1A and 1B with Zach Evans, and all of a sudden the season cranked up. The one player uh, that, knock on wood, hasn't gotten hurt at all has been Quinshawn Jenkins, has been an absolute machine. So, yeah, that running back room, 
uh, completely revamped from last year has turned out to be one of the best in the country. That's always a fun story when you got uh, a talented guy that uh, really rises up to the opportunity that's in front of him. A lot of guys come and and you think they're going to earn a job. The opportunity is there for them to do that. They struggle. They don't really sort of live up to it. It sounds like Judkins really sort of grabbed the opportunity uh, by the throat and has taken full advantage, uh, which is phenomenal. Let's talk about uh, the quarterback position, uh, uh, transfer uh, quarterback Jackson uh, Dark Dart. Uh, he's progressed maybe from what could be characterized as maybe an underwhelming spring game, uh, but through summer and fall, uh, it seems to be the unquestioned leader uh, at the offense. Talk about uh, Jackson and uh, his progress. Well, you talked about the spring game. He legitimately was on campus for about two weeks before the spring game. So he committed and then came to campus. So uh, really don't hold anything against not having a good spring game. Really didn't know what to expect. I mean, it was a quarterback battle with he and Luke Altmaier, the former four-star quarterback out of Starfield High School. Uh, had an offer to Florida State, committed to Florida State, decommitted, and then, of course, uh, signed with Ole Miss. So it was a, it was a battle in the in the uh, the preseason camp. So we didn't know what to expect. Obviously, they they traded possessions, and one would start Central Arkansas, the other started versus Troy. Initially, you wanted to have a starter by the Kentucky game, and that, of course, was Jackson Dart. I think what we've learned more than anything is Jackson Dart had a much higher ceiling and we're starting to see him grow up before our eyes. You know, I think oddly enough, as bad as the LSU game was the only loss of the season, I thought Dart handled himself very well. It was probably the worst offensive line play that we've seen all year. Wide receivers just could not get any separation with that LSU defensive backfield. The running back room did what they have, they've done all year. They ran incredibly hard but it was a situation where that offensive line just could not keep the pressure off. Dart made some mistakes, but I thought he made some really good throws as well. Ole Miss, of course, went up 17-3, to had an opportunity to go up 24-3, to throws the pick in the end zone, and then LSU was off to the races at that point. So I, I really like the growth of Jackson Dart. I'll be interested to see what Alabama does defensively, if they're going to bring a lot of pressure on Saturday, or they're going to – really test this offensive line. I think they might. Uh, interested to see what Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, what he has uh, what he has in the game plan. I love this Alabama defensive backfield. I really do. And uh, I think they're going to be really, really hard for uh, transfer wide receiver Malik Heath along with uh, Jonathan Mingo to get separation. I think that's going to be a key matchup. Secondly, if Ole Miss can get Michael Trigg Jr. in the game, he is a matchup nightmare, the tight end. So if he can play, I think that helps these other wide receivers. Uh, Jordan Watkins is another receiver that's been able to get a little bit of separation, but honestly, that's been the key for Ole Miss is they haven't been able to get separation specifically in the loss against LSU. But, yeah, just kind of to answer your question, I, I'm excited to see what Dart can do against a really good defense like uh, against Alabama because we've seen him against some other defenses this year. I don't know – how good Kentucky's defense is. I think AM's defense is pretty good. This is easily, if not, you know, depending on what you think about LSU, I think this may be the best or second best defense that uh, that Dart would have faced this year coming up Saturday. We certainly have our days and we get our defensive backs in order, not committing penalties. Uh, you know, we we make for a better team. I want to talk about the wide receivers, but uh, you know, I have to kid with you a little bit. Uh Matt Carroll, the Altmeyer kid, uh, uh Jackson Dart. Uh, does Lane Kiffin uh, shop for quarterbacks in an international mail magazine? They all look like models. They could be models, right? <laughs> well, I don't know if he uh, – that's kind of a running joke that he goes to California and looks for the surfers. Uh, you know, you got Matt Corral, and then, of course, 
you've got uh, Jackson Dart, who looks like he came straight off of, uh, you know, Mexico Beach, California. So uh, it's, you know, it's funny you say that. It's, it's. I never really thought about that, but they, they're, uh, they're very polished. Let's say that. <laughs> there you go. Popular on campus. Uh, talk about Jonathan Mingo. Uh, he's having a career season. Uh, you mentioned several of the uh, uh, several of the uh, other receivers. Uh, you guys pulled in Jordan Watkins, a transfer from Louisville. Looks like you guys got the better transfer from Louisville. We uh, we thought we were going to like ours. Uh, he can't find the field. Uh, your Louisville transfer is doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean it's it's taken a little bit of an acclimation period. We didn't see Jordan Watkins very much early on, and you know we've been able to see him come on here uh, midway through the year. He had a pretty good game uh, against Kentucky and kind of branched out just a little bit. So it was nice to see him flourish. Uh, Jalen Robinson, the transfer out of uh, USC, and I'm sorry, uh, Central Florida, you know, expected him to have a big year, and he hasn't gotten on the field. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury and just have not has not been able to. to to break into the lineup. And I don't know, you can sense the frustration with Lane Kiffin uh, talking about Robinson. They call him Flash, but he just has not been able to get on the field. It's been the Mingo show without question. Mingo and Malik Keith, the transfer out of Mississippi State, has been really good. And so he's been a big help. Dade Wade, uh, another transfer, has been good for, for, for Ole Miss. So they've definitely got some transfers that have helped. Um, a, not, not a ton of depth at that position, so uh, Ole Miss, uh, knock on wood, has had some pretty good luck uh, not getting anyone injured. But uh, Jonathan Mingo dealt with a foot injury slash ankle injury last year, but, you know, been very healthy so far this year. You know, you talk about uh, Michael Trigg, the tight end, injured, may or may not play. Uh, we sort of have a running joke. Saban has said this in a press conference. We do not play a defense that doesn't cover the tight end. Uh, I think that started a couple of years ago uh, after your tight end transfer from Temple sort of really lit yeah, us up. Kenny Yaboa. Yeah, Kenny Yaboa. There you go. Uh, he really lit us up. Uh, Saban said, we don't play a defense that doesn't cover the tight end. And so the running joke uh, with sort of our crew is that, you know, Alabama does run a defense that doesn't cover the tight end because all the tight ends have big days against us. Uh, so when you talk about Trigg maybe not playing, I mean, I hope the kid's all right. I hope he can uh, can get in there. But if uh, if you guys are down at the tight end position, I guess I'm not going to feel too bad about it because uh, we struggle uh, covering that position. If Trigg doesn't play, you can expect to see Casey Kelly, the brother of Casey Kelly, Chad Kelly, had really struggled catching the football, but had a huge touchdown catch against Texas A&M. I think probably got him some confidence. He dropped a ton of passes. He dropped a huge third down conversion play against LSU when Ole Miss, when Ole Miss got the ball back after LSU scored to cut the lead to 17-10. Casey Kelly had an opportunity to get the first down, drop the pass. So, uh, you know, everybody's kind of scratching their head, dropped a touchdown pass. But when he got that touchdown against Texas A&M, you could feel that confidence change. Yeah. So you expect to see Casey Kelly uh, at tight end on Saturday if Trigg can't go. If he plays, if Trigg can't go, Casey will have a big day. That's my prediction. Talk about the offensive line. You alluded to it a little bit. You know, how would you characterize that play? When I look at a roster, it might be a little dated. Uh, I see a lot of seniority in the middle and uh, some redshirt uh, freshmen at the tackles. Uh, has that played out over the course of the season? How is the offensive line gelling? It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> it's been up and down all year. And it's a, it was a situation where Nick Broker came in as one of the best tackles coming back of the conference, was graded by the NFL and elected to, to be brought down to guard. So with Nick Broker at guard, you've seen players like Eli Acker that has come in out of Columbus, Mississippi, has played guard along with Jeremy James. Uh, that left tackle slot, 
has been handled by Jaden Williams, a freshman. So that's kind of been, uh, let's just Jaden Williams, along with Micah Pettis, the two tackles have really struggled, but then have shown bright spots as well. Yeah. Freshman. I mean, it, it's really difficult to play SEC football as freshmen, but they've had some, some bright spots and, and you would hope if you're an Ole Miss fan that, that they've gotten better. And I think they have, but they're just so young. The good news, you've got a Caleb Warren, a veteran center, has been has been kind of hampered with some injuries. So you, we, we've seen Eli Acker come down and play center some. And then a graduate transfer, Mason Brooks, has kind of been all over the place from guard to tackle. So kind of what I'm looking at is if you look at Ole Miss, I, I think it's a great opportunity this week because you're going to face a really good defense, and it's a great opportunity to get ready for the stretch run. That if you're going to have a special season, and if you can't get past Alabama – You've got Arkansas and Mississippi State, two teams that aren't near as good as Alabama. So if you can play in your own backyard, a big crowd, and you can come together, I mean, they've got plenty of experience together. Yeah, This is the game to where you show up. And yeah. Ole Miss has a program that everybody talks about, and they haven't played anybody. Well, they're not going to say that by, three, uh, by 6 o'clock on Saturday night. We'll know yeah. that soon enough. So there's a lot of things to prove, and not to get away from your offensive line point, but I think Ole Miss – has much more to prove than Alabama does. Alabama's Absolutely. been in the trenches. They've gone on the road to Knoxville in a hostile environment and faced Tennessee. They've gone to Austin, Texas, and faced, a, a, I think, a pretty good Texas Longhorn team. Mm-hmm. They've gone on the road to, to, to Tiger Stadium and played LSU with a game with a much more significance than what Ole Miss played in. Suffice to say that Alabama's been in the trenches. So they're battle-tested. Yeah. And, you know, we'll get to this, I'm sure, at some point, but Will the will the give a darn meter still be there for Alabama now that that special season is not within the grasp? Yeah, I think that's, that's the question that, I, I have. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly right. I think that's the big question that the, uh, that the but to answer, but to answer your question, I think the the, the two freshman tackles with yeah. Williams and Pettis those is what I, those are the two positions Alabama fans need to watch. Yeah. If Alabama can get pressure across the edge and flush. Jackson Dart from the pocket, and, and they're just flying by, and they're not getting any chip blocks from any of the running backs. And and Judkins and Evans, they can't chip these defensive ends, and they can't keep the linebackers off of Jackson Dart. It's going to be a long day for Ole Miss. But if they get some kind of help and they come together as a group, that 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 may prove to be a, a big, 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 big win for Ole Miss if they can do that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think the youngsters can take heart in uh, what LSU was able to do last week. It was two freshman uh, starters at, at tackle. And, uh, you know, they they certainly had uh, their moments uh, against the Alabama defensive front. Let's flip the field a little bit. You know, I'd, I'd say Ole Miss is filling a top half uh, defense in the conference. Uh, I think after you remove Georgia from the equation, you could probably put a blanket over the next five teams. Their stats are, are not all that uh, dissimilar. Uh, characterize the uh, it looks like Ole Miss is running sort of a, a, a four two five. Uh, characterize the strengths of the defense. I think number one, if if Cedric Johnson can play, that's a big 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 win for Ole Miss. He's been dealing with a right ankle injury. He's easily the best defender Ole Miss has. Uh, he he does a great job getting getting pressure around the tackle. I mean, he he can get around any tackle in the country. The question is, is can he push off on that right right leg? So that's something definitely to monitor. J.J. Pegues, a transfer out of Auburn, a nose tackle, one of the better nose tackles out there. I thought he had the best game of his career against Texas A&M. Double team was able to get pressure on uh, on Hayes King and, and Weigman, the quarterback at Texas A&M. So uh, those are two names that I expect 
you know, if they can if they can play. Now, Pagis is another player that's kind of been dealing with an injury, but Cedric Johnson is the the big question mark for Ole Miss. If he goes, Ole Miss has an opportunity to make some things on defense. Tavius Robinson along with Jared Ivey, the Jared Ivey, the transfer out of Georgia Tech. Both those guys had pretty good seasons, but look, I'm going to be honest with you. Coming into the season, I circle the defensive line to be, you know, to want to be one of the better defensive fronts in the SEC, and they just have not lived up to the billing. Now, there's three games left, maybe, a, and of course, a bowl game, so four games left, uh, depending on what happens with the, the the championship game in the SEC, so possibly five games left. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't seen what I expected to see out of this defensive front this year. So maybe they changed my mind, but right now they, they they've definitely not lived up to the billing. Uh, on the across the defensive front, linebacker Troy Brown is easily the yes sir. I, I, if you don't mind, I'm sorry. I, I want to jump in on on Big East. What's sort of the story on yeah. on Big East? You know, he went to Auburn as a tight end. He's from Oxford. Uh, you know, during the recruiting, I think you know we would probably express some interest in him. And uh, I thought this guy's going to go to Ole Miss. This slam dunk to go to Ole Miss. He didn't, and then now he's there, sort of transferred back, and even from a distance. Uh, feel like you know he's literally going home his football career. What's sort of the any sort of interesting backstory on why he, why he didn't go to Ole Miss originally? Uh, not really. He just wanted to leave Oxford. Okay. He wanted to get out and kind of carve his own way. And when he got to Auburn, I think he realized just how much he missed home. And yeah. while he was there, he gained about eighty pounds, and he turned from a tight end into a defensive tackle. So he's a tight end, a defensive tackle body, and you'll see him line up in some goal line packages as well. It's a hell of a blocker. Specifically, you put him at it, uh, it, it, it fullback or put him to the left of Jackson Dart and let, just let him go up into the hole. So you might see him utilized on some goal line packages, but but you're going to see him at no tackle primarily. And he's yeah. he's a guy that when they rotate players, he's one of the guys that doesn't rotate. I mean, he just you know he's he's a gamer and uh, he's one of the best defenders Ole Miss has, and he's turned out to be a, a really good defensive defensive player for Ole Miss. Fantastic. Talk about the linebackers. You were jumping into the linebackers. Uh, I think Troy Brown and Austin Keys and uh, amongst others, Troy being the leading tackler uh, yep. for the Rebs. Uh, talk about the those linebackers there. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Troy Brown hurt his right shoulder, and he's really been dealing with that. And it's kind of a pain tolerance issue from what we understand. So anytime that happens, it shows you what kind of player you're dealing with when, yeah. when it's a pain tolerance. And so this point of the season, look, there's going to be injuries all over the place. And Lane does not talk about injuries. But when you when you see a guy come out holding his shoulder, yeah. you, you know it's a pain tolerance, or at least you know it's a, it's a it's a shoulder issue. Austin Keys has played pretty well. This hasn't been a strong position for Ole Miss. Uh, Brown has has played pretty well. Kari Coleman, when when he's healthy, Kari Coleman's really good. But he's also been dealing with some injuries as well. Ashante Sistrunk uh, has come in and kind of spelled uh, the linebacking crew just a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, those are the four players you're going to see rotate in and out at linebacker. They, they, they run a, a two-linebacker set. If Troy Brown can go and Kari Coleman, those are the best two linebackers Ole Miss has. If they can go, uh, that's definitely a plus for the Rebels. But, uh, you know, like I said, both dealing with some with some injuries. So we'll see what happens from there. Talk about the secondary. Uh, name jumps out at me is Otis Reese. Uh, he's a two-year starter at Ole Miss, transfer from Georgia. Uh, they run pretty good defense shop over there. Uh, and it seems that he's contributed mightily, uh, you know, for the Rebels. But talk about the secondary as a whole. Uh, who, who, do, who does Bryce need to stay away from versus where Marthy might there be vulnerable spots in a passing game? Well, leading the team in tackles is A.J. Finley, the senior out of Mobile, and is a terrific football player. The, the secondary easily is the 
the strongest area of, of this defense. I think it's one of the better secondaries in the conference, and nobody's really talking about them. And I think a lot of it's because of their depth. You've got a freshman who was a little bit, you know, LSU got a hold of of Davis and Nick Benoson pretty well, the, the freshman cornerback. They really exposed him, and they really baptized him in the SEC. He had a really good season coming in. I think he's going to be a fantastic player, one that's going to eventually play in the NFL. But LSU, I'll be honest with you, Jaden Daniels just, just, just tore him up, and they were torching him. But he learned from that, and uh, yeah. you know, I, I look for him to have big, have a big game on Saturday, and also uh, throughout the remainder of the year. But yeah, Otis Reese, the transfer out of Georgia, has had a great year. He's tackled really, really well. Uh, I, I like AJ Finley, Ishin Young, the transfer out of Iowa State. But I'll be honest with you, Trey Washington, a freshman, has had has seen a lot of action at free safety, so he's someone to, to definitely take a look at. The good news is, if you look at some of these strong safeties, like an Ishin Young, I mean they can come up from a strong safety position and be an extra linebacker if they need to. I expect Alabama to try to establish a run really quickly with Gill. Gill is one of the best running backs, I think, in the nation. And so Ole Miss is going to have their hands full. He's going to get his yards. I don't think they're going to stop him. The question is, is can they stop Bryce Young? How healthy is Bryce Young? Is Bryce Young going to be flush in the pocket? If he is, can this secondary, can they spy Bryce Young? Who's going to spy Bryce Young? So many questions from this Ole Miss defense is going to be how much can you limit Alabama offensively? I mean, what? How many points can Ole Miss get away with allowing Alabama to get? Can you can you allow them to get 24, 28, 31? At some point, Ole Miss is going to have to determine what's the number going to be. I think personally for Ole Miss, if they keep Alabama under 28 points, 24 points, I think they're going to be able to score. Quite frankly, I think both teams are going to be able to score. So. Uh, I think defensively for Ole Miss, strongest part easily is the defensive backfield. Uh, I think, you know, they can disrupt some things. But here's the thing. If, if Chris Partridge, the defensive coordinator for Ole Miss, only rushes three or four against Alabama, Bryce Young's going to sit back in the pocket, smoke a couple of cigarettes, and probably pick the defense apart. I, they're going to have to bring some pressure. They're right. just going to have to do it. When they didn't bring pressure against Jaden Daniels, he sat back there and just picked Ole Miss apart. They sat six, seven deep in the secondary, and, and Ole Miss couldn't do anything with him. They've got to put pressure on on Young, they, and when he does get flushed in the pocket, they've got to have a spy on him. If they don't, Bry, uh, Bryce Young's going to eat him alive. You know, we've walked through the the roster. Uh, I'm going to throw a question sort of unplanned at you. Uh, we've walked through the roster and nearly almost every position group we've identified a transfer here, transfer there. Uh, you talked about at the end of last season, sort of the running back room, uh, and it's how it's just been com- completely remade. As an as the Ole Miss, Ole Miss fan base sort of watches that happen, what is the the level? What what's sort of the thought process there? How how is what has been the response to that? You know, Alabama has lost a couple of guys and brought in a couple. Uh, of key guys, but th- not in a wholesale kind of way. And it it seems like Ole Miss has, uh, this last year, has really brought in quite a number uh, of transfers, and they're all playing dividends. So you play the result, it's very exciting. But what's sort of the sort of the thought process from January to now when you bring in that many fresh faces into a roster? It, it, no surprise, but if, as long as you win, nobody cares. Yeah. They really don't. And yeah. so I think from a long range – I think Brian Kelly, who, by the way, SEC Coach of the Year. I mean, it's I, he's a really good football coach, yeah. and and I kind of knew that. But what he's doing is he's a really good football coach with talent, with really high end talent, and he didn't have that at Notre Dame. And I don't know if you remember Dave, but when 
Alabama beat Notre Dame a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I happened to run across that press conference, and Brian Kelly smiled and said, I'm so proud of our guys. We played incredibly well. But sometimes your best is not better than the other person's best. Credit Alabama. And he all but said, we did everything we could, but they just had better players. Yeah. Now I think the scary part of SEC West teams is LSU's got the players. Now they've got the coach. This guy's good. And so yes. I think in, in order for a team like, you know, an Ole Miss or, or 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 an Alabama in this case, you know, they've been down the road back again if you look at an Alabama. But Ole Miss hasn't. And Brian Kelly said it best. He said, you know, we're going to the portal to fill a couple of needs, but this is not the future of our program. Our future of the program is high school recruiting. Yeah. And so he went to the portal. And if you'll look, I know you have. Their defense is chock full of transfers. It is. But they're signing five stars left and right, and, and you know, from the high school ranks. And to Lane Kiffin's credit, this year they've recruited the high school ranks probably 50 to 60% more than they did last year. Yeah. So I expect Ole Miss to still go after the transfers, but while it was all transfers this year, it will only be about half transfers yeah. next year. You got, yeah, I fully expect Ole Miss yeah. to go back to the reeling this thing in, this NIL thing, you know, that Ole Miss has got rolling right now, the Grove Initiative, trying to hold on to the players that you have, understanding that there are going to be people coming after them for the portal, but also understanding that the high school player, the high school ranks, you still want to hold on to those as well. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think there's a reason Lane Kiffin's called the portal king. He's done a great job going to the portal. On the flip side, I think it's also very important to note that they've gone back to the basics and really recruiting the high school ranks really well this year. I think that's I think that's the winning formula, you know, long term, right? Let's get right now and then recruit high school and then fill needs as we need to uh, with a portal as we go. You know, we interviewed uh, with uh, a LSU site last week and we talked about Brian Kelly, in very similar fashion. Uh, you know that you speak uh, spoke to, spoke about him. You know, we we agreed uh, in in our conversation that you know Brian Kelly's like the guy that's been flipped the keys to a sports car. Let's let's go see what this thing will do because he knows he could coach. He's uh, he's never not been a good coach, but now he's got the horses to to go out and really implement. And we saw what he did last week. Boy, he really wanted that game. Uh, his team did as well. And uh, LSU uh, is certainly going to be a team to watch out for. I would pick him. Uh, it's a good call. I would pick him. I think uh, is is a leaning candidate for SEC Coach of the Year. It'll be hard to knock off Heifel, uh, Heifel and and sort of what Tennessee has done. But uh, boy, don't don't sleep on LSU. They're they're coming. They're coming in the West. We talked about offensive line, the two tackles. That may be one of your answers. What's one to two maybe keys for the game? Ole Miss establishing the run early, and I think Ole Miss needs to score early. Ole Miss needs to take the ball, and and, and if Ole Miss gets the ball and scores first, and you know can somehow take a lead into half, I think that's the key for Ole Miss. But Ole Miss needs to establish the run, and and that's easier said than done against Will Anderson in this Alabama defense. So if they can't do that and it forces Ole Miss to throw the football because we know Alabama is going to score and they're going to score often. So Ole Miss obviously is going to have to stay in line with Alabama. If, if Ole Miss can, can stay in line with Alabama and win 31-28, I think that's the key. But I think if Ole Miss loses this game, I think they lose in pretty dramatic fashion. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be a 42-24 type game, and, and Alabama is going to going to, going to – essentially boat race the Rebels if they win the game, I think, because at that point Ole Miss can't do anything offensively, and I don't expect them to stop Alabama either way. 
may surprise me. I don't know. But uh, but I do not I expect Alabama to have a big day on the ground. I expect Bryce Young to 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 get right from what he uh, LSU was able to do uh, defensively. Look, we don't have to go through the numbers about the last time Alabama lost two games and right. you know Nick Saban is this after a loss. You know, we, we know those numbers. The, sure. We know he's 5 and 0. We know the numbers favor him. So I sometimes get bogged down in those numbers, but at the end of the day, they're numbers and they're, they're reasons that things like that happen that Nick Saban goes to the drawing board after a loss and, and has his team really prepared to play. So easily for Ole Miss, I think the key to, to victory is establish a run with Quinshawn Jenkins. and my goodness, get better offensive line play than they've gotten over the last couple of years. I expect Alabama to stack the box to be honest with you and force yeah. Ole Miss to throw the football. Yeah. So if Jackson Dart cannot hand it off and they, and they, and they, uh, and they stack that box, then Michael Trigg, if he can play, uh, Jonathan Mingo, and then, yeah. of course, Malik Heath. They've got to get separation, and they're going to have to go to the air if they're going to win the game on Saturday. Yeah, this promises to be a, a, a really good matchup. You know, you, you listed the teams that Alabama's, you know, been in the battles, and, uh, you know, they're all road games, and this Alabama team has really struggled on the road this season. Uh, I I sort of quipped in, in our podcast, our, our sort of breakdown, that this Alabama team gets the yips when they see a suitcase. And so the biggest thing that uh, this team's got to over, uh, overcome is uh, playing on the road and what's going to be a, uh, I want to say a hostile crowd, but certainly one that that sees an opportunity to win. And uh, so that's going to be, uh, that's going to be interesting. I'm very, look, uh, very much looking forward to this matchup with, uh, with Ole Miss. Let me get you out of here with an easy one. This team or all time, who's your favorite Rebel? Oh, goodness. Um, probably Deuce McAllister, running back from the late 90s and early 2000s. Of course, Deuce went on to play for the New Orleans Saints, had a great career as a Saint, is the color analyst on the New Orleans Saints radio network and also a color analyst now on the SEC network with uh, Dave Neal and does a great job with the SEC network television crew. But Deuce is not only a great former Rebel, he's a great person and uh, does a lot for the youth there in the city of New Orleans. But I think if you had to pin me down and say who my favorite Ole Miss Rebel was, I think without question, it's it's a Deuce McAllister running back from Morton, Mississippi, one of the Fantastic. best. You can't see my notes, uh, but it says Deuce McAllister. <laughs> That's who I wrote down as well. Uh, no magic trick. That's my favorite uh, Ole Miss Rebel uh, over time as well. Really enjoyed Eli, but, boy, he gave us uh, – uh, he gave us a hard time, so it's hard to call him my favorite. But uh, I really enjoyed watching Deuce. A good running game is really fun to watch, and uh, he was certainly uh, certainly a good one. Brad, I want to thank you again for taking time to to join us tonight. It's always fun to uh, engage with someone who knows the game, knows the opponent, knows the team, knows the roster, and uh, can educate us uh, a little bit coming up to the game. You certainly did that uh, in fine fashion this evening. We thank you very much. Brad, have a nice evening. We appreciate you. We appreciate it. And we're back. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Brad, learning about the Ole Miss team and uh, just trying to have some fun conversation uh, about the uh, upcoming game. If you have any questions or questions we should have asked or impressions or opinions or thoughts, don't hesitate to reach out. We're at alabamafootballpodcast at gmail.com. We're on the Facebooks. And uh, hell, join our, join our Zoom call. And um, we'll hash this out uh, live uh, uh, Saturday morning. 
I know that there's a, a group that will hear this and have uh, tons of questions and tons of discussion uh, about this and other things as we uh, prep for the Ole Miss game. So we have a great opportunity uh, for you to join us. Uh, if you need input on that, email us at the email or check us out on the website at uh, alabamafootballpodcast.com. Uh, if you enjoy these interviews, please, please, please leave us a five-star review on your interview tool uh, or your podcast tune, tour, tunes, iTunes, whatever it is, and uh, let us know what you like about the show and uh, give us a good rating. That'll help people find us. That'll help us on the ratings. And so that's an easy way to support the show, you know, if you're with us. And gosh, if you're listening to the tail end of an interview, then uh, you qualify. So with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. You know what to do. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.